all self-help boils down to long-term over short-term. And we can get, we can make short-term gains and, and experience relief in the moment. And we can do that in a congruent way when in the moment we take just yet another thing off our plate and give it to someone else, make sure it's getting done right or automating a process that we've been doing manually and just bit by bit take our time back. And so we get that long-term benefit because we're committed to doing that and blocking out time each week. But we get the short-term benefit of, oh, the burden feels just a little bit lighter this week. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. You know, in our last episode, we talked about how we spend our time in the summer or how you spend your time in the summer with the sabbatical. Mm. In this episode, I wanted to dig in a little bit deeper into a question I've seen from a lot of people. And, and, and I say that sincerely. Um, I get questions about this all the time personally. And it's how to spend your time, how to get the most leverage out of your time as a music school owner. The thought being this, and this is kind of the thesis of the episode, that, you know, you Nate's going to talk about how he spends his time. I'm going to put some ideas in here about how I spend my time and run, you know, two different companies simultaneously. It begs the question of what value is it to know the proportions of time that Nate spends? And I think that it provides a model that one can shoot for. Mm. And just my personal experience in coaching a lot of school and studio owners, I mean, hundreds at this point now over the last five years, is that whenever I've gotten to this level of detail, the questions that it causes to form in the mind of that studio owner or school owner gets them in the right direction. Oh, you only spend that amount of time on email? Oh, you only spend that amount of time with your team? Oh, the, the questions that begin to form start pushing people in the right direction. But until you get to that level of specificity, those questions never get asked. So Nate, I just want to jump into it. Let's talk oh. about how you spend your time every week in your school. So Nate, before we jump into the buckets of business, maybe just give me um, a little bit of a sense of when you even start your work week. Yeah, great question. I start my week, Daniel, uh, on Sunday evening. I do a weekly review. I use this thing. This is a full focus planner that I adopted from Michael Hyatt. And I use this thing. I schedule. And that's it. I go through and I'm like, what are my three priorities that I'm going to directly impact? And then I ensure that those are scheduled into my week. That's how I start. That's cool. And I got to tell you, I really resonate with the Sunday night comment um, that you made there. If this is just me personally, but if I wait till Monday morning, I almost feel like my entire Monday is wasted hmm. because what happens is I come in that Monday morning, I don't have a sense of purpose, and and then just the day gets away from me. So for me, it's a Sunday night thing for me as well. Um, I just want to plan that week out um, and and hit the ball rolling or, or get the ball ro- rolling. Just out of curiosity. Um, you know, we're going to talk about how you spend your time during the week, but do you even plan out how you spend your week? Do you plan out the, I mean, like the percentage of time or do you, do you plan out a schedule for yourself? I have, I have basically what I, so 
I call those three priorities the big three. I just have big three blocks that are in gray on my schedule. And I love them for to be three hours long. And I try to get three of those three-hour blocks in a week. Generally, it ends up being like two hours. But basically, I put those into my week right out of the gate. I block out. I put the big rocks in there. I'm like, for example, a priority right now is our hiring. We're going through a hiring funnel. We're um, bringing on some new, hopefully some new full-time teachers over the next few months. And that's that's really important for me because I'm part of people power. I'm part of that third bucket of business. So I'm going to block that out. I'm going to make sure there's at least one two-hour chunk in the week where I'm, where I'm really going to focus entirely on that. So that's a good example. So in other words, apart from just kind of the administrative or ongoing repetitive functions of the school, you have times blocked out for projects. Yes, and I call that's that... Yeah, and I call that the strategic time. So at Brooklyn Music Factory, remember, the, the question that's come to us, the pain point that I hear in that question, what percentage of your time do you spend on what functions? The pain yeah. point there that I hear sort of underneath that is everything's on fire, which fire do I put out? And I know we're going to get to this, right? Right. But I actually, we frame it this way. We say 80% of our time is in just operating the ongoing business. 20% of our time is in working towards strategic objectives. So those yes. annual goals you set. We talked about that in a recent episode about how to set personal goals, but then how to link those to your company goals. So when yeah. I say those three blocks for the big three, those are very much around our strategic objectives. Those are separate from me just showing up as CEO or CFO for BMF. Maybe just tell me how much time are you spending apart from teaching? Because I think you teach five to six hours a week on a normal week. I know you're doing a little bit more right now, but on, on normally you're teaching about five hours to six hours a week. Mm-hmm. How, just straight up, how many hours do you work each week on BMF on those ongoing uh, administrative and maintenance type functions? Yeah. So great question. The I love teaching. I love being a teacher. I would say. If you were going to look at that pie, what what how what percentage of the pie is teaching? What percentage of the pie is being CEO? What percentage of the pie is being CFO, i.e. working on finances? And what percentage of the pie is doing anything else that I'm obligated to do? Teaching is about 20% of my work week, hmm. right? How many hours? Mm, I say uh, right now, uh, seven, but I'll swoop okay. in and do more. I love it. Then- how much is being the CFO? Like you're doing financial right. functions. Yeah, I'll have a me- one meeting a week with our bookkeeper. Um, and that'll sometimes just be around basic financial reporting, but sometimes it's strategic work, thinking hmm. about working on forecasting, et cetera. And then I'll spend maybe at most two hours a week beyond that. So okay. I'd say 10% of my time is on money and spreadsheets. How much time do you spend on marketing? Great question. Right now, I am essentially the director of our marketing team. So um, I, I know that hasn't always been the case for you. Has, no, sometimes we're, you had a director of marketing a couple of years ago. Yeah, and we're now seriously considering. I'm seriously considering as part of our annual goals, um, bringing someone back on. Yeah. So, um, anyways, that's a future. That's there's there's going to be a lot of things. There's a future episode, right? Yeah, there's a future episode bringing on a, a on a marketing manager, or marketing director. But I have a Monday meeting that's a marketing and sales meeting where we look at our dashboard, we look at all the metrics for the company around leads and conversions and enrollment and attrition. That's every Monday, uh, and then I will spend maybe two to three more hours a week doing marketing work. I.e., it could be. 
improving landing pages. It could be just looking at new opportunities. It could be launching ads. And this is all in the conjunction with a team member. You're probably yeah. not working on marketing alone. You're 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 working with a team member. Yes, that. I have. Yeah, exactly. I have people that will update the website, but my job is to go audit the website for quality and from a from a top mm. of the funnel standpoint. That makes sense. Okay, so we've talked teaching, we've talked marketing, we've talked CFO. Yeah. Uh, what am I missing, Nate? What other what, what what other roles take people power? So HR, people, people, people power, people. HR. Yeah. So people, we're in the people business, Daniel. So honestly, that's where uh, probably twenty five percent of my time is going to go. Though that's going to be seasonal, right? So for example, we're in a hiring fun, we're in a hiring season right now, preparing for our upcoming camps and ultimately hiring a great um, faculty set of faculty for uh, the fall. Right, so right now it's January, and we're hiring with an eye towards September. Um, so that's another that's twenty five percent of my time right now. Um, How many hours final, total? Mm, great question. My specific job being a founder is I show up for mission, purpose, values to interviews. I show up to all the interviews if possible. Mm. That might be four interviews a week, and those interviews. We, we book them hyper-efficient, 15 minutes, but they might bleed over to 30 or 45 if we really love the candidate. In addition, hmm. I am meeting with our private lesson director, again, to help him assess the candidates. And then I'm also meeting with the director of People Power, who is essentially our school manager, right, Jessica? And my job is to help the team come to a choice, right? So that's another few hours a week. So I'd say a good I'd say my two biggest buckets of time are allocated are allocated towards people. And then um, the last, and I would say marketing, honestly, marketing and sales, ensuring the marketing and sales team, because it's so essential to our business, right? We need to assure that our attrition is low enough, and we need to assure that our uh, we're getting enough leads and we have enough inventory to sell that we can continue to maintain a really healthy um income statement month in month out i think that in recent years the role of ceo has become almost a celebrity position just mm. in the popular culture you know there's shows like succession we yeah. have names that are in popular culture maybe not always for the best but jeff bezos gary vaynerchuk um, elon musk like it's become this position that's almost idolize like you but in reality the ceo is just an administrative position and i think that's kind of the part we haven't covered yet here and in terms of administrative function and ceo function apart from cfo cmo you know marketing and finance what percentage of your time number of hours per week would you say actually number of hours per week is probably a better one than percentage because i bet if someone goes back and listens our percentages won't add up but number of hours how much <laughs> on average do you think how many hours on average do you think that um, do you think that you spend on that CEO just administrative going to meetings management type stuff? I know that's overlaps with people power a little bit, but I'm curious. That's yeah, a good question. And I actually just pulled up my calendar this week to be like, what am I actually doing this week? So if I count up the number of meetings I have, and this is important because meetings, people are people don't understand the value of meetings. Also, people overestimate the value of meetings. Um, however, I look at the number of meetings I have. I've got one on Monday, uh, 
a second on Tuesday, a third on Wednesday, and a fourth on Thursday, well, two on Wednesday, for a total of four and a half hours. Um, And each one of those meetings goes with a specific bucket of the business. Monday, I focus on marketing, marketing and sales. Tuesday, I focus on annual planning, objectives. We have our weekly meeting, basically to say, how are we doing on the projects? Are, are, is, is everyone in the team feel what they have they need in order to move forward? Is everyone doing what they said they would do to move these strategic goals forward? Wednesday is I'm putting on my hat as not a curriculum d- director, but the founder, the visionary. This is new business bucket. We're currently refining our mini keys and our Jamban 101 curriculum. I've brought in two A players who are incredible thinkers who used to teach the program and they're now helping to refine the curriculum. So I show up Wednesday to that team meeting because that's a new business opportunity. And that's, that's I don't want to waste those that's resources. Significant. It's yeah. significant, right? Because you're investing time and money into it, but you don't necessarily have a proven sales model yet. So it's new business, right? Yeah. And then the, sec- the last thing is people power on Thursday. Every week, I do not screw with that meeting because we are a people business. Mm-hmm. Right, so I show up Thursday. I don't direct the meeting, but I'm there. And I want to point something out around your comment, uh, Daniel, because it's such a it's a it, this is a great comment you made about being a CEO. You can honestly use whatever label you want to describe your position as the founder and owner and visionary yeah. for your school. But at the end of the day, our number one job is to ensure that choices are being made given the best information we have so that we may realize our goals with our school. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. It resonates. I have some thoughts, but maybe I'm going to save those for just a moment from now. I think I have two more questions for you before we maybe take a left turn in this episode. And and, and there's some concepts that I want to definitely deliver before we end this one, just flat out straight answer to the question. How many hours total are you spending in the school right now? Yeah. Great question. When you add it all up at the end of the week. My goal is to spend about 25 hours a week where I'm obligated to people or specific projects. The second question, this is kind of the catch-all question. We talked about the financial component. We talked about the marketing component, the people component, new business component, the administrative component. Is there anything that I've that we've left out? Is there any other time you spend during the week? Maybe just give me the number of hours and a very, very brief rundown of what that would be, if anything. Yeah, so the, the, this falls into the third bucket. There's two areas. But the third bucket, which is back office, it's operations, you have to also put your facility in if you have a brick-and-mortar facility because there's going to be a certain number of hours where I'm going to be working on the facility. For example, right now, um, we're, we're 
opening a new facility in you know sometime in the next four months. And so uh, my job there is actually I'm the leader of that project. Hmm. So there's I'd say right now I'm doing five hours a week. So that's a little bit more than you probably would be. Yes, during the normal operation of school. How much is it during when it was you know normal from let's say 2010 up to 2020? I'd say normally when it's operating, as long as I have a team of people, for example, I have someone who's at the desk who can also manage the facility, do basic things to keep it operating. I'd say it only need I only need to spend like one to two hours a week thinking about the facility. Okay. And primarily, Daniel, that falls into a people power bucket. So it would be, oh, wait, we need somebody else to work the desk. And I'd ask the team, what do we need to do to hire that? And how do you need, what help, how do you need my help? And usually they don't need my help. Yeah. You know? So this is where I want to go on a little bit of a mini rant. Because... Fire, what do you got? I love it. I love why, your mini rants. <laughs> the whole reason I even thought to put this on our list of potential episodes and then actually record it, because I think our list right now is a couple dozen topics long. The reason I want to record this is over the last couple of weeks in response to podcasts, I've gotten a number of emails from people who listen asking questions like, is it ever possible to you know, run things passively? Um, I feel like I'm fighting fires. Just these sorts of things. And, and it, sometimes it, I forget you know, just because I've put out, even before we started on this project, Nate, I've put out videos on YouTube and Facebook in the past on how to get everything organized and run your business systematically. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I've already made a video on that. Surely no one's struggling with that still. <laughs> but that's just <laughs> yeah. but that's just not how it works. No. And my thinking on this was really developed by a quote unquote marketing mentor of mine. Uh, you know, Evan Pagan, I, I, between him and a couple other people, I'm always referencing them. Mm. And I don't want to butcher the quote, so I'm actually going to read it. But he said something in a training that he put out in the mid-2000s. I have never forgotten this. And I was in a meeting with some team members of mine in the past week, and I wanted to get the quote right. So I actually, <laughs> I've listened to this training so many times. I pretty much knew which session to go to and even roughly where in the session to put the timer on an, a 90 minute long session. I knew basically where it was because again, it was so profound. I've always wanted to listen to this part, but he said, there are five places in your business that need attention. Now I, I don't want people to get this confused with the four buckets, but he says, this is where you as the owner need to have your attention. He said, your attention needs to be on you yourself, mm -hmm. your market, i.e. the people you're serving. Your attention needs to be on your marketing, on your people, and on your systems. So you, your market, your marketing, your people, and your systems. Now here's, here's the nugget. Here's, here's the wisdom that I kind of picked up from this. He says, if you get the market right, if you understand what they want, the marketing takes care of itself. And if you get the people right, they will create and drive your systems. That leaves you to drive the market and the people. So you need to understand the market and you need to manage your people. And it will dramatically reduce the amount of time you have to spend on the business. It actually makes the business scalable because you're swimming with the current. And so when I see people writing in, oh, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week in my school. I feel burnt out, all these sorts of things. I just have to come back to the concept that 
a business, a good business is nothing more than repeatable processes that you have written down. And it's even better if those repeatable processes were actually designed by your team instead of you. Because, you know, we'll tend to think a certain way. And part of me just even being able to scale up to the size that my team has gotten to now, which is right or hovering between 12 to 15, depending on how you count contractors. But the lesson, I, the, yeah, the lesson I've learned, the lesson I've learned is that if I'm the one devising the system, I'm probably getting in everyone's way. Whereas if I give people a goal to shoot for and say, now, how do you think we're going to get there? They start coming up with the system. They write the system down. There are tons and tons of systems in our business that I didn't even write, that I, didn't, I don't even know they exist. The only time I know they exist is if, is if something goes wrong with it. And then my team comes to me or I come to them and say, hey, what's going on here? Well, we ran into this problem. Oh, well, let's talk through that. Have a meeting with that person. I give some input, but by and large, they're, they, they, they're figuring it out. And so to put a point on it, because I maybe went a little bit of a rant there, is that if I'm empowering my people to build the systems and I just make sure I have the right people in the right roles and I'm you know, hiring the right kind of talent, that sort of thing, then the business begins to run on its own, so to speak. And so you know, this dream of passive income, there's no such thing as passive income. There just isn't. This, there's no such thing as a, uh, a machine that can power itself. Yes. To some degree, you're always going to have to be involved. But I mean, you know, Nate, you're running a school that's 10 times the size of most of the people that I work with. Most people are stuck between one to 200 and, and they're working way more than you are. The schools that I see that are running and, and, they're running smoothly. The owner is present and engaged and working on things that are fun and exciting to them. And they're not spending 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week in the business between administrating it, hiring people, having to do some of the teaching on their own. In almost every case, it's a, it's a business that's running on top of, you know, not genius systems, but just systems to make their marketing run, systems to make their school run, systems to make their educational core run all of these places, all these buckets, it's built on written documented systems that are run by average good people. Rather than go through every step you just said, I just wanted to say yes. And to this opportunity, which is as CEO, as founder, you can focus on one or two areas in any given quarter or even in any given year. Do not try to systemize your entire company this year. Focus on one or two buckets where you're like, you know what? I'm really going to improve my hiring funnel. I'm really going to work on people power this time. I'm going to work on human resources. I'm going to find a way to attract great candidates and ensure that I have all of my rooms full of highly trained teachers. That's all I'm going to do in 2022. And honestly, dude, if 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 that if if our listeners set that goal and they could come back listening, you know, a year from now to you going on another rant about systems and be like, you know what? I know I feel great about my hiring, training, and onboarding system, then that's a total victory. That's you using your that's you allocating allocating a percentage of your time 
really well, in my opinion. Absolutely. I think an exercise that anybody could do leaving this episode, because we don't want this just to be infotainment. Um, Our real goal here is to help music school owners scale up in an organic, sustainable way. One that doesn't put all kinds of pressure on, quote, the you part of that equation earlier. Is two thoughts. One, look at where you're spending a lot of time, which you can't do unless you're keeping track of it. That's a whole episode of itself. Keep, keep track of your time, look at where you're spending a lot of it, and ask yourself, how can I turn this into a system that isn't driven by me, that another person could, could do? A very brief example of this is the very first thing I handed off when I hired an executive assistant, believe it or not, was invoicing. One would think, oh, wouldn't that be the last thing that you hand off? It's such an important part. Yeah. And the truth is, is that it was so straightforward it, and, and process-based, and it took time up and it really wasn't adding value. It doesn't add value to me to keep track of all that stuff and send out reminders. And even when we made that system, we had to change how we did it because what was happening was she would do a part and then she'd have to send something to me and then she could do a part. And what we had to do was devise a new way of doing billing entirely where, where the process didn't get keep getting stopped because Daniel had to put his input in at, at this step. So I handed that over to her and said, well, hey, how would you do it if it were just you? Knowing that you don't know nearly as much about all these people that are getting billed as I do, but how could, and she came up with some great ideas. And sure enough, within two, we had cleared the decks within two months of, of, of of, of a high value, but very repetitive drone like task. And then I could take those two hours and invest them somewhere else that's higher value. Now, there was a second thing I wanted to mention as well. And that is, if you're, and again, this is an exercise that you can do leaving this, uh, leaving this episode. If you're looking for a place to put a repeatable task, one of, another one of my marketing mentors has a very strong opinion about where that should be. Companies that are having trouble scaling in almost every case need to have more repetition and more strength in the marketing wing. If there's, it's almost cliche to say, but businesses eat cash. And if you don't have cash to feed it, it can't grow. And so too many schools are kind of on this seesaw of focusing on marketing and then focusing on something else, focusing on, oh, we don't have enough enrollment. We got to go back to the marketing or they're just, their enrollment's weak or their lead flow is weak. You've got to get repeatable systems in that marketing wing first. And that is, in my opinion, that is the opinion of a uh, retired CEO of a billion-dollar company that the marketing wing uh, has to be dealt with before any other, any other wing in the business. It's, there's got to be strength there. Otherwise, the other parts of the business will not grow as they should. Any closer, closing comments from hmm. you? The, the quote comes to mind, and I've said it probably in at least two other episodes. What do you got? All self-help boils down to long-term over short-term. And we can get we can make short term gains and, and experience relief in the moment, and we can do that in a congruent way. When in the moment we take just yet another thing off our plate and give it to someone else, make sure it's getting done right, or automating a process that we've been doing manually, and just bit by bit take our time back. And so we get that long term benefit because we're committed to doing that and blocking out time each week. But we get the short term benefit of oh. 
the burden feels just a little bit lighter this week. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.